0: Hey, what's up, everybody? This is Ray, and welcome to the RayWenderlich.com podcast. In this podcast, we'll keep you up to date with the latest app development tech talk. Now here are your hosts, Drew Freeman and Nishant Travasta.
1: Thanks, Ray. This is the RayWenderlich.com podcast. Welcome to episode three for season 11. This episode was recorded on Monday, the 21st of December, 2020. Happy holidays to all of you. We'll release on the 6th of January. Now, this episode is sponsored by the language SWIFT and by the number negative sign of one and a half pi. I'm Drew Freeman with my no-nonsense
2: co-host, Nishant Srivastava. Thanks, Drew. In this episode, we continue our quest of picking up gems from the book, Living by the Code, and talk with Marcin Krasinowski, who is an Apple platform developer in the desktop and mobile domain, as well as he's an active contributor to open source with many known projects like CryptoSwift, PGP, and many more. Uh, Marcin, welcome to the show. Thank you for having me. I'm here uh, to talk about the book
0: but uh, mostly about what changed between the time when the book was written and
2: <laughs> now, right? Because that, that was quite some time. To start with, um, Martin, why don't you uh, tell us a little bit about yourself? Uh, I'm a developer, so it's quite boning. <laughs>
0: um, <laughs> lately, I'm, I'm into iOS, Apple ecosystem. Um, I used to work on the Microsoft stack, then I transitioned to the uh, iPhone stack, and just recently I'm doing more into like a Mac applications. But uh, I'm doing a lot of stuff. Like really, uh, I did some web in the past. I kind of like to think about me as an engineer, so I can do, I can use any tool. But I'm not. But I, I like to think about myself like that,
1: yeah the right tool for the right job, and when you find a tool that interests you, you migrate toward it yes,
0: uh, yeah, that would be great if we if we had this freedom to to work like that right mm-hmm. like um, uh, I have some experience with Linux that gives me this base this foundation to work with a lot of uh, current uh, tools mm-hmm. you know like developer tools um, and then I transition to all that uh, GUI uh, environments of course but yeah that's uh, this base uh, with the common I I'm comfortable with the common line tools right mm-hmm. so uh, I can use choose uh, one of that tool to actually work uh, for me when the editor just can't right it's I, I like it yeah I would be great to, to work on any tool you want, but <laughs> most of the most of the job uh, requirements they specify
1: this tool you have to know this thing. To do the job, right? Well, I, I strongly believe that a lot of those job postings are, we lost somebody and here's everything he worked with. So we want somebody to come in and pick up everything that person did.
0: Yeah, but then they have to do some listing and you read
1: that listing and it's just ridiculous, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> well, usually they, they always start with, you know, must have, you know, we're looking for an iOS programmer, must have three years of Xcode. And this is like, yeah, No. It was, this,
0: <laughs> it was this joke about when the Swift came out and was like, you know, the recruiter already sent you an invite and asked for five years of experience in Swift.
1: <laughs> I, I, I remember interviewing for a job just after Java had come out. Um, I wasn't interviewing for the job in Java, but the guy next to me was like, well, what should I put down? Four or five years of Java? And I'm like, did you work for Sun? And he said, who's that? I said, put down seven. <laughs> yeah.
0: Did he get the job?
1: <laughs> I, I don't know. And I don't want to know <laughs> I, I, if he did. I'm going to feel horrible. <laughs> I,
0: also, I also have this, the stories about uh, people who um, you know, apply for a job. They get a job somehow. And they just learn while they were doing the mm-hmm. job. And that's, that's legit. Like if you experience in any other tool that is similar, similar, mm-hmm. you know, you can just pick up very quickly. In a week or two, you pick up on, on some tool. You, you won't get that, of course, the deep understanding maybe.
1: But you know, you, you can do just a gig, if, if, if the, just a gig. Tell me, what was it that motivated you to move from Microsoft over to the Apple stack?
0: So I work uh, in this uh, Microsoft stack. It was on the um, enterprise solutions, uh, so that was quite worrying. Quite maybe. It was interesting to some uh, extent. Uh, but it was a business-to-business application. Mm-hmm. Um, so there was a l- lot of financing. I-, I learned about finance. I learned about warehouse, how it works from the corporate um, perspective. But then, yeah, I needed change. And after a few years, I just uh, was looking for something else. And then the iPhone came out. And I got iBook, and uh, for some time I carry two laptops to my work. So I had a Windows one to do my day job, and the iBook to do my <laughs> where <laughs> I had all my personal <laughs> stuff. Uh, so <laughs> that wasn't that convenient. <laughs> and uh, at some point, this friend of mine asked me, uh, you know, do you want to join me on some startups and um, you know, I, I did. In the, I, I just, you know, I was. I transitioned in my free time. I started when, when the SDK came out. Yeah, I download that and just tried to play with that. So I learned Objective C. Uh, and there was first opportunity to to change the job. I was like, okay, yeah, why not? Yeah, I think I'm ready. And I was senior already.
1: <laughs> I started as a senior. <laughs> because why <Nice>. not? <laughs> Well, there's there's so much room above senior. There's like senior, senior, and yeah, I'm senior kidding. lead. And- <laughs> I'm getting like I was I was senior
0: uh, as a programmer. That was the yeah because I I, I had like a, I don't know seven years of experience or so. So I was senior enough. But uh, in the iOS development, I was junior. <laughs> I was definitely junior. But there was small team, and uh, yeah, I was I was okay with like learning while doing. Um, yeah, and we, we actually did a great job that mm-hmm. didn't didn't get a much traction, but yeah, the work was
1: great. So once you got into the, the Apple platform, when did some of these open source projects come along?
0: After some time, you, you know, uh, I was always somehow in open source because mm-hmm. I was in the Linux, I was in the Linux uh, Environment, I don't know. Community. I, mean, I was in the Linux community, uh, local Polish uh, community. Um, I don't think it it still exists, but there was a Polish Linux uh, distribution, PLD. Like I don't know if if anyone outside Poland know about it, but there was, and I was um, I was into that uh, development group. So I was really into that. I, I liked the gnome. I you know. Um, you know, I had my opinions about uh, what you should use, Veeam, and, and so on. Uh, and uh, so I was into open source. I knew the open source from the uh, almost beginning. The Stallman, what he's saying, what's going on. There was source, SourceForge, I believe that was the mm-hmm. the website back then. Uh, so I was that. Then I went to this uh, more corp- corporate site where, you know, there's no open source. Uh, at that time, Microsoft was the, the bad company that they didn't have a GitHub account.
2: Everything <laughs> that, was closed source, yes.
1: Well, if I remember correctly, that was during the time that if, if Microsoft couldn't own it, they'd duplicate it. Yeah, I, I think they still do that.
2: <laughs> Although,
0: <laughs> I have a story about that, but yeah, I think they, they do that. Yeah, and um, so I was I was there, uh, but it was on a side. And then I, I go to the iOS, And you know how it works on iOS. It was the time of GitHub already, Mm -hmm. so uh, everything was on GitHub. I was looking for um, for piece of code. I find it, so I started first myself make a pull request or or start or or, you know Mm -hmm. some small changes here and there, and eventually I started to create my own. my own projects. The first one that, was, that is, still exists is this CryptoSwift
1: library. Mm-hmm. Could you explain CryptoSwift? Just uh, a quick description of what it is. Uh, CryptoSwift is a
0: Swift implementation of uh, some of the cryptography uh, algorithms, like a, um, sy- not synchronous, I always use this word wrong. Uh, symmetric <laughs> cryptography. <laughs> The symmetric estimate is synchronous, un and I use it wrong. Yeah, symmetric cryptography, um, like AS, um, you know, the cipher. Uh, but I started with a digest, like a hash function, SHA, um, MDA5, right? Yeah, I, w- when I started the project, it was uh, wrapper around the I think OpenSSL or the common crypto library that is in iOS. But I had some time, some free evenings, and I was just curious. You know, I was inside, and uh, Swift was still young. It was in the early days of Swift. Mm-hmm. So I was like, uh, okay, <laughs> how it is implemented, how it works. So maybe I can I can implement that. So I started reading uh, the papers and uh, and implemented one, the second, another, and eventually uh, uh, some suite of um, of algorithms. Uh, and the idea was to build that in Swift to see how Swift can be performant. Um, you know, to, to learn about the limitations about the Swift itself. Uh, the crypto Swift has some limitations, like uh, the performance is one of it. And um, it's not everything I can overcome with the code because, well, the Swift uh, runtime and the, the, the compiler uh, has the limitations that you you can't just overcome, right? It's just... It is how it is. I spent a lot of evenings uh, trying to learn about that. Uh, I, I was in touch with some Swift compilers, uh, compiler engineers, you know, just on the Twitter, and asking a lot of questions and debugging. And uh, I improved the code base, like the, the runtime performance a lot, <clears throat> but it's still, uh, it's still way slower. Like there's AES, you know, cipher that normally, well, not normally, but um, it has a ha- hardware um, acceleration. Like mm-hmm. in CPU, there's a uh, there's a, there are some instructions I cannot use because there's no direct right. uh, invocation of assembler from Swift. <laughs> um, and the other, the, 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 a lot of problem. There's a problem with the memory allocation. So, I had to reduce a lot of um, swift code and just rewrite it to dumb you know piece of code that only does simple loop on the array or just malloc uh, you know this, the, the, the uh, array of bytes mm-hmm. otherwise the the constant allocation the allocation was very very expensive and there's uh, in, a, in a crypto algorithm there's a Characteristic that um, there's small loops that operates on some day like a ten thousand uh, or I don't know sixty thousand invocations of uh, one loop, right? And it takes some time. And on top of that, um, sorry, can I speak up with this this uh, performance? Swift performance, it, it's like yeah. something I like. I really like um, mm-hmm. talk about Swift. Uh, Swift has a very bad uh, performance in a debug build. you know this build when you work mm-hmm. normally when you work on an application and you just run it 's very slow it 's like a uh, hundred times slower than the release uh, build. Mm-hmm. I was not aware of that in the beginning I, le- I learned that uh, hard way, so basically users just started to report and say, "Oh, this is so slow it takes like Three or four seconds. It shouldn't take that long. I was like, "Oh, really? It takes it takes four seconds. Like the operation shouldn't take four seconds." But if you build uh, in the release, it's a fraction of a second. The sa- the very same code uh, that would that would be easy to overcome to fix if I could somehow uh, deliver provide users with the optimized version of the library. But I can't, I'm, I, have, I have the sources, right? And they import that sources with the CocoaPods, Carthage, 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 what's the pronunciation of that? Carthage. Carthage, Carthage. Yeah. yes. <laughs> or uh, SPM, Swift Packet Manager. Mm-hmm. And it's not up to me, up to tools, how they build that and integrate with the project. So I would like to say something in my uh, specification, this manifest file, mm-hmm. build da- build this code, you know, in optimized way, mm-hmm. but there's not really uh, something I can do. So if you integrate with the CocoaPods pods and you build your app uh, normally in a debug um, configuration, it will be slow because the the pod is also built in this debug mode. Right. The same with the Swiss bucket Manager and Cartage. So the only option is to distribute um, binary, right? Process until, Yeah. Until, I don't know, um, this year, I think, I could only do that with the Cartage mm-hmm. because they have... Uh, option to pre-build, they call it cache, uh, pre-build the binary, so mm-hmm. uh, they can just download and use. Not really with the Cocoa pots For the Cocoa pots, I can f- just hack it and um, add a custom mm-hmm. uh, options, you know, that modify the, right. the project. But it was not option for the SPM, uh, Swiss uh, Packet Manager, because Yeah, it it worked only with the sources, right? So it gets the sources built and that's all. And just recently, uh, they added with the Swift
1: 5.3, I believe, right? Right.
0: Yeah,
1: 0.2? 0.3 just released. Yeah, Yeah.
0: (laughs) they added this uh, binary distribution. Option, so I started to use that. Mm -hmm. But there's there's a story about that. And uh, I'm just sorry, there's a lot of problems with that. (laughs)
2: Seems like uh, you have to jump through a lot of hoops and and like uh, different problems while building this uh, CryptoSwift package. But what I'm uh, I'm I'm gonna jump back to the the base uh, here because I see this package is kind of like targeting platforms iOS, Android, macOS, watchOS, TVOS, and Linux. So my question though is to maybe touch up on the point where um how did you see this difference in the ecosystem for open source when because you started as a linux uh, developer in the open source right and mm. then you slowly moved into this um, ios version i guess or, or apple ecosystem so how would you maybe um, maybe give up talk a little bit about like how the ecosystem has changed a little bit for you
0: from a technical point of view the Swift on Linux is different than Swift on MacOS, right One is maintained the other one is not like it 's maintained in a different way. The community um, mostly exists on an Apple platform side, not really on a Linux side because uh, I think I believe Swift is still uh, has this uh, tag that this is iOS language. This is not a, a general purpose. Uh, system language. It's just something to build uh, iOS apps. So nobody really used that for any other par- purpose. Also, the fact that Swift on server is not that popular is not helping with that. We had this, yeah, when the Swift started, they, were, the, mm, they said we partner with AB, IBM and we're going to build this enterprise something uh, for Swift on server and, and stuff. <laughs> Mm, yeah, and we get the Kitura and Vapor that is still mm-hmm. going on, and Kitura is shut down by IBM. So everyone was like, oh, what's now? Does really Swift is not a priority? Or uh, will it stay only on the desktop? Or what's going on with that? So um, none of that gives the... Nobody's convinced that should use Swift as a main language. Mm-hmm on Linux, mm-hmm. right? I, I think, I, that's, that's my opinion. And uh, the balance is not even, so the, they, there's a lot of work put to work great on the Apple platform, but there's less work to work, to, to um, have it great on Linux. It kind of changed a bit of,
1: but still. Apple hasn't really, put up the signs to say we bless this yet. Yeah. Apple's Apple continually talks about Swift on iOS and they've talked about Swift package manager, but there has not really been a general let's talk about Swift on the server. Yeah. And I think that until Apple goes there that it's still more of a niche technology but i mean that's it's going to be the same way i mean google's the same way on certain technologies you know until it's blessed for android it's a niche technology but that's true
0: we'll see well we still don't have um a product that is um, blessed and it's like a show up for the swifton server mm-hmm um, we have a vapor, and everything is around the vapor. So this is one framework that is um, mm-hmm. successful in this in this uh, environment, and everything else is just uh, either not maintained or on a low, you know, low piece uh, maintained. Uh, Apple, uh, they recently, and I think in the last year or something, they started to release some of the components for the Swift server, like a server balancing, or mm-hmm. you know. So, but we don't know what is, why, what is the purpose, who asked for that? <laughs> we mm-hmm. didn't ask for that, they released, right? And then, then they release something new, something next. And maybe there is a picture they have in mind. We just don't know that yet. And it will all come together. There's HTTP server, there's uh, some uh, balancing, so some metrics. Um, I don't know. Maybe they start using use it internally. Mm-hmm. Who knows? And then, mm-hmm. nice. yeah. It makes sense, you know. Maybe they do already. Uh, there was a there was a, a problem with uh, static linking on a, on a, on a, um, uh, Swift on Linux. Static linking mm-hmm. is the helps with the portability, uh, mm-hmm. not portability, with the how to uh, deploy the um, some program application on the server so it's in a one binary and this is this is that was a problem for a long time unsolved because nobody cares um on uh, what why nobody cares because on um, macOS that's not the case swift does not support uh, static linking that's by design but on linux it kind of does at some point and then break and nobody fixed that. <laughs> but recently, it was like a two months ago or something, there was a they match, a patch that fixed that.
1: So maybe they need it for something. I don't know. Could be. Yeah, maybe as the community finds more bugs and as the community uses it more, they'll find needs to correct things internally and, and move it forward. I I, I want to shift this slightly because I, I, I would love to talk to you about Objective PGP and the online Swift playground and all of that. But I, I want to talk about some of what you, you spoke about concerning what it's like to manage open source and how that that's really not going to be your primary career track. Unfortunately, I wish it could be,
0: um but it's not. So I have a I tried different approach to that. So I have this CryptoSwift. Like I have let's say two uh two libraries. One is mm-hmm. CryptoSwift and the other one is Objective PGP. CryptoSwift is open source, MIT, I think, um, I believe it's MIT license, so everyone can use um and people use it freely. And there's open uh, PGP that is open objective PGP. OpenPGP implementation in Objective-C uh, that is distributed in dual license, free for, for uh, free apps and paid for uh, commercial use. Mm-hmm. So I tried, like, a two uh, approach. One is everything goes for free and the other one is... Uh, um,
1: pay for pay awesome. for commercial.
0: Yeah. Um, I sold... I sold a few licenses of the Objective PGP. Uh, But it's, well, it's not enough to, you know, (laughs) to live out of that. Uh, But the amount of work I had to put in Objective PGP was way bigger than in CryptoSwift, just in comparison. Uh, Both projects are very demanding from um, how much time I have to? Uh, I had because I don't do that all the time, but I had to put into 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 those projects, um, and uh, it's not really paying the bills. Uh, I asked the simple simple thing. I asked the CryptoSwift, the, the free one. I asked, uh, uh, okay, if you use that, just put some acknowledgement. In the documentation that you use that library, mm-hmm. nobody reads the license, really. Yeah, and I even put that in the in the readme. That look, this is I, I. just ask you to put that, and nobody does that. <laughs> I, uh,
1: I I have a, a an app I wrote myself, uh, for myself, and I knew that I was going to have an entire call out section for all my open source libraries because it's like I'm a programmer writing this thing, and I know what programmers. I'm not commercial, so I, I want everybody to get the credit they deserve. Yeah, and uh, one day I remember
0: I felt festive, and I found some uh, big comp- company that um, used the, my, my library in the in the application. I checked the credits, and it was not there. And I wrote to them like email and said, "I ask you, you either pay me or you know." I was like. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And there was like, oh, sorry, sorry. Yeah, we will update, okay. <laughs> okay. Did they ever update? I didn't follow. <laughs> <laughs> I guess so, but you know, I asked for, for con- contribution like 25 bucks a year, they could just do that, right? You, mm-hmm. you know,
1: yeah. it doesn't really um It's, um, it's amazing that, that open source which was originally supposed to create an entire economy out of support and documentation and teaching. None of that's there. None of that ever came to fruition. Some
0: of some of the projects, yes. I mean, uh, we, we all know, I don't know, Node.js. I think it's a company-backed project, mm-hmm. right? And they get some money. Mozilla, I believe, uh, they also, there's this foundation, they build uh, like the whole company around that. Mm, there's some projects in the JavaScript community that get um, some funding, but it's uh, really niche. It's it's niche. I don't think this is any major movement. Uh, most of the people publish their work just to show off, you know, show they work, and that's fine. That's great uh, until you have time to work on that. It's awesome, but at some point you don't and what are you gonna do about it?
1: It's great that you can basically say, I did this, so hire me. Yeah, sometimes it works, not always, but. Yeah, and, and I think you said that uh, somebody wanted to hire you for one of the open source projects, oh, yeah. but, but they didn't because your price tag was too high. <laughs>
0: Yeah, unfortunately, <laughs> it happens. I, I I got some of the uh, some of the quotations <laughs> even uh, for like a consultancy work, and yeah, I didn't get a job <laughs> because I was too pricey. It wasn't that high; like it was normal,
2: regular pl- price. Mm-hmm. But that's not mm-hmm. what they expect. <laughs> if I'm not wrong, then they approach you for implementing or working with your own library, right? Yeah, exactly. It wouldn't offer you enough money. <laughs>
0: Exactly, it was about the CryptoSwift. The, the the job specification was something like, uh, "I need uh, I need to use CryptoSwift and do this and that in CryptoSwift." Uh, who can do that? <laughs> it's like, yeah, I can do that, <laughs> but I didn't win. So. <laughs> <laughs>
2: I think, I think this is a similar scenario in also other platforms itself, like even coming from the Android side, I, I know a lot of uh, developers would put out free applications and sometimes open source it too. Um, and then they need to monetize it, some way of sustaining their developer career, right? So what they would do yeah. is that they would kind of put advertisements in place or yeah. something like that. And as soon as they do that, their their Play Store ratings would go down because they are just trying to sustain themselves. They are trying to <laughs> live uh, or, or make a career out of it. Um, so yeah, yeah. It, it is a it is a weird balance to have uh, being an open source developer as well as uh, like trying to monetize, is creating a career.
0: Personally, I don't know any open source developer like Perse who works just out of the open mm-hmm. source. You know, I I, I implemented this uh, open PGP, that's, um objective PGP, that is open PGP uh, two years ago. There was a story in the, in the press that the um, creator of uh, GNUPG, which is the um, most widely used implementation of uh, PGP, everyone used that. He asked for money because he didn't have a money to, you know, to continue development. Um, it doesn't seem doesn't seems right.
1: No, you put, you build a project like that and you hope that people will, will fund it. That's where the commercial world comes in and says, well, if you want us to fund it, we want to own it.
0: Yeah, and uh, two, that's interesting, um, there that are two scenarios that may happen with that. One, they fork. If, the, if you license on uh, MIT or something, they can just hard fork. And uh, if they have enough resources, they will maybe, uh, they fork, they will develop in, uh, internally and release that as a different product because they can and what do you do nothing or they may ask you to work for them that's better for you
1: (laughs) Mm -hmm.
0: but that's not really sometimes there happen um there are funds that will pay you for some work it happened to me with one project so there was a fund that asked okay we will pay you if you implement that that because we need that for one of our company or something and i said fine and that was the example of great work. Uh, it was like enough for for a few months of regular work, but it just happened once
1: happened once so in a rare case, somebody comes along and says, "I love your open source project. I want to buy out your open source project yeah that's that 's rare, but it happens. <laughs>
2: That's rare. <laughs> it's, uh, it's it's actually happened with me. I have an open source project, which as you were mentioning with the license and everything. So initially, it was at Apache 2.0 version license. Uh, people were forking it, yes. And then at some point, I found out they were not crediting back. And obviously, there's, there's nothing involved in this payout. Uh, so eventually, I had to switch to a different license, which is uh, the AGP, AGPL license P3. Um, and then at this time, someone reached out and said like, I want to buy this because I I can't see, I cannot uh, get the, the the result or value out of this, right? So that has happened. But considering these situations, because we're also talking about licenses and some of these challenges, what would, in your experience, would be some of the ways of fixing this this issue or, or problem in the open source ecosystem?
0: I think the license like MIT and BSD shouldn't be uh, the default license on GitHub. I, default should be uh, GPL. We may hate GPL, but it has this good way that if it is GPL, the company won't use that without asking you. So there's GPL and another license, like dual license.
1: In my opinion, that works the best for the uh, creator. What is it about GPL that that people tend to react to. I, I believe the discussion about GPL is very political at that point. <laughs> <laughs> it is, it is.
2: <laughs> there, there, there's a tricky clause that basically says, if you make changes, you have to put it back into the upstream, and, that, and that is the, yeah. that's the tricky one where companies don't want to do, as, as Martin was talking about. They would fork it, they will internally develop it, and they will put it out, but rather GPL forces them to push it back to upstream, right? Yeah. Companies don't wanna do.
1: Shows you how long it's been oh. since I've looked at the GPL license.
0: <laughs> it's contingent, yeah, so it, it says that if this, if you get this, uh, you have to publish your source code as well, and no no company likes that. If they don't like that, why why, why you should like that? Nobody should like that if the company that makes money of out of it, uh, doesn't like that. But of course, there's a the question whether if uh, whether if the project is licensed on a GPL, it will get that lot, you know uh, that traction, the same traction or not. because that's the factor yeah.
1: as well. I'd say a lot of the the other problem that you face, in the open source community, even with GPL and MIT, is if they don't, uh, you mentioned it, you know, the, they didn't give me credit. So I, I, I yelled at them and they said, OK, we'll give you credit. It's you against a major corporation. Oh, of course. And they can lawyer up against you easily. So it's, it's hard, yeah. even on certain licenses, to enforce them against a larger company.
0: Oh, definitely. Then you, you, the only, only option you as a small developer have, uh, you go to press. And if you get some attention from there, mm-hmm. yeah, you have some chance to get something out of it. But normally, yeah, they would just ignore you. The big corporation like Amazon or, you know, I don't know, Apple, IBM, uh, Microsoft, they still work all the time. And if only if they, you know, they get cut, they uh, they will admit. We we have this discussion. I don't know what was the truth. There was a discussion about the package manager in Windows a few months ago. Yes. Yeah. The guy said basically uh, they still uh, might work because they asked me to interview for a job. I told them every, everything and they turned me down. And after a few months, they release the product that works
1: just the same. And exactly you ask, the same. how okay is that? But, you know, what, what, what do you do? Let's, uh, let, let's change gear and, and talk about some of the, the things that impacted you. You... uh. You said that you didn't really have any specific titles of books that, that reached out to you, but you do read a lot of historical, a lot of biographical books. Yes. Because it's, it's all about the people.
0: Yeah, it's, a, it's all about the people. I was never into uh, science fiction. I don't know. The, the only author I, I read, I read was uh, Stanisław Lem, which is Polish uh, s- um, I don't know science fiction um, writer. He- he's dead already but he was like a, I don't know if you know Lem or not, but he was a visionary at some point. Uh, but I think that's the only uh, author I, I read at a- any time. Other than that, I, re- I read uh, fiction, sorry not non-fiction. This English term about non-fiction is so <laughs> <laughs> it's just reality, you know? it <laughs> reality. <laughs>
2: mm-hmm.
0: yeah so I, I read that I read a uh, biography uh, so something that happened so I can learn from actual people mm-hmm. um, how people behave how they were thinking about what, what was the reality like now I'm listening to because I'm listening to an uh, audiobook uh, the Einstein uh, biography by Isaac uh, I'm not good at names Isaacson <laughs> I think it's on the outer. Um and there's a lot of details about the times when he, he lived uh, about how you know how he uh, become famous how he struggled before mm-hmm. he invented something how was the environment and uh, it was everything like today so it was not easy He was not just born, born, and become a famous Einstein. He got he really struggled with finding a job, like
1: Mm
0: -hmm. paying job, before he uh, so he can continue continue work on his uh, thoughts. And uh, only after he got the Nobel Prize, uh, he was yeah everyone suddenly. Uh, started to welcome, welcome him, him everyone, although there was a war, so he was a Jew, so, you know, it, it wasn't easy anyway. <laughs> mm, but, yeah, it was, it, it was fascinating to just read that. Normally, you, you just know uh, some uh, surface from, of these people that it says you nothing. You just know their accomplishments. But they mm-hmm. struggle like anyone else. Uh, Maria Kiri Kudowska, that was, about that, this is the same time as Einstein, uh, she was, I don't know, you know, Maria Kariskulowska or not, she was the first woman that was a um, professor of Sorbonne in France. She, um, w- with his husband, she invented, not invented, um, undiscovered, what's the word, I don't know, uh, the radiation. And she died mm-hmm. because okay. of that eventually. Which is super smart. But she struggled very much because she was a woman Mm -hmm. right Mm -hmm. that's easy um so yeah it's fascinating fascinating me that kind of uh what happens what happens here and i live in europe peaceful peaceful uh country we have no war since uh second war but the wars happens all the time if you read about africa um let's say well there's very Tootsie right Really, there happens uh, a lot of bad things to other people. We just don't know about it. And you that's something
1: you, you won't get in the news. You, you said that as a result, you try to be very respectful of people. And I can appreciate that very much. And that definitely extends into writing code in Understanding that everybody's going to come at that from a different direction. Yes, that's
0: uh, that's one of my principle. Although hmm, I'm I'm kind guy and everything. I have opinions, and there's also <laughs> this uh, thing uh, that I'm Polish, and we have some kind some uh, that kind of. Um, we communicate in a certain way like very direct and so on and so forth that translate to my communication to my online communication as as well and i know that sometimes even though i'm very respectful for everyone's work but i do have opinion and if i'm direct people from u.s uh misunderstand me like in my opinion, mm-hmm. you know, they just get it to, uh, I'm, I'm rude or something. Although I'm not, <laughs> I, I, I don't want to. Sometimes it's just a language barrier. Um, the, the English is not my uh, first language and I just uh, miss the words or some, I don't know, idioms or, or some constructions, phrases that may, so, may sound uh, softer. And, and and my language is, is direct, so I translate sometimes one to one, and it may may me sound different than I uh, originally thought. But yeah, but my approach is like do whatever you want as long as it does the job. If you like, I don't know, uh, Git this versioning um, system. If you uh, use a command line, that's fine. What happen. I use command line, but if you don't feel comfortable with that, don't use that, use the tower or whatever, like GUI client, because that's comfortable for you, and that's, that's like, who am I to judge you? Like, as long as it works, <laughs> why? Of course, we all have our opinions about, like, singletons or whatever, so there will be discussion, but um, I... BI and
1: Emacs... Yeah, Vim. Obviously, <laughs> yes. <laughs>
2: See, there's, so there's a, a strong, strong opinion way. one way. versus
1: <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah, <laughs> <laughs> <Yeah. laughs>
0: But yeah, if we work on the on a on the same document, I would never force you to uh, work with the Vi because there's no point. Um, and yeah, this this is my my point of view. Uh, we all come uh, from a different uh, backgrounds, uh, different culture. Uh, as long as we have the same goal, <clears throat> we can use the different tools to, to, you know, to, to reach that goal.
1: I wish we had time for all of the information here, Marcin, but we definitely will have the entire show on YouTube in a few weeks. And that way you can hear everything that we've had to cut out for the broadcast for time. Martin, I, I want to thank you so much for being on the show today. This episode was a lot of fun, very informative, especially when it came down to a lot of the uh, the, the crypto Swift stuff. I, I was just really fascinated to learn about some of the problems that you face trying to get that to work. If you want to talk to Martin directly, you can get him on Twitter. And I'm gonna spell it rather than say it because it's <laughs> now check me if I'm wrong on this. K-R-Z Y-Z-A-N-O-W-S-K-I M for Martin. That's very good. This this is Kshanovskim.
0: <laughs> uh, <laughs> yeah. Thank you for having me. I had a really great time talking to you. Uh, yeah, it was it was great. I, I I still didn't say a word about my project uh, Swift Studio, but this is for the next time.
1: Oh, absolutely. We will we'll definitely bring you back and talk about talk about IDEs that that are available and that are being made shot you can find on Twitter at Nisrules, N-I-S-R-U-L-Z. I am podcast Drew. Next episode, and... Again, I'm going to try to do this without mangling it. Moyanu Lua Adeyemi is going to be on. And if you have any questions for for him, please write us at uh, podcast at Um That's going to wrap things up. We'll have that episode in two weeks. Until then, we're going to head back to the Emerald Castle. Ray, back to you.
0: And that's a wrap. Thanks again, everybody, for listening to the raywenderlich.com
1: podcast. We hope you enjoyed it. And don't forget to leave a rating on iTunes. See you next time.